This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 13th, episode 2538. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. And welcome back, Karen. It's the second Tuesday of the month. So, of course, Karen Chatton is here. And we chit-chat about all things endurance and trail riding and associated sports. Um, is is the world still on fire in your part of the country in Gardnerville, Nevada? Um, <clears throat> well, there's no fires right where I am. Most of the fires are getting under control or they're at least halfway controlled but you know every day or two there's usually a new one popping up it's been a um already a really long awful fire season so what what is fire season really because being in florida we don't think about fire season a whole lot you know we have like the national weather service will put out a, a warning and they'll call it a fire weather situation which means based on the temperature and the humidity and the winds, and of course things are pretty dry in the West right now, that that puts us at a much higher risk for a fire to spread rapidly and get out of control, which clearly has happened this year. I mean, some of the biggest fires in the history of California have occurred this year. Yeah. And speaking of fires, there's a reason uh, I ask about that because coming up on today's show, Among other things, Karen has a DIY recipe for helping your horses cool off or loosen up. And then our first guest, Courtney Kruger, is going to stop by and share of his appropriately named horse, Kevlar. Uh, This one has a surprise and crazy alert on it. And then we are going to wrap things up with Dr. Susan Garlinghouse. She's a regular guest here on the show. And she has some advice on helping horses who have been exposed to that smoky, cruddy, gross air. Uh, something that all too many people are dealing with this year. So that's what we're going to be up to. And the first thing we do on the show each and every month on the second Tuesday is get to catch up with your adventures, Karen, because as an endurance rider, I don't think any other riding discipline has quite the adventures that endurance riders do. We do. Just the training and conditioning and getting ready, or at least in our minds, some of us have been doing that all year. Getting ready and then not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, There are some regions that have been going ongoing with their rides and events. A lot of the ones around me were canceled either because of COVID or because of the fires or the air quality because of the fires. So we have one coming up this week, this next weekend that's kind of local for me, but I'm not going to go because it, we haven't even been out of the really bad 
air quality from the smoke for more than a couple of weeks now. So, and, and we were basically sidelined from doing almost anything besides just mostly walking. So I have been using that time to work with the new horse, Apollo. I've got him loading and unloading calmly in and out of the trailer. I've got him used to going with the crupper or a running martingale, uh, just to make sure he knows what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't want to get to you don't want to get to a competition and go, oh, he's really up. He need he might need to wear this and never have put it on him before. That's probably <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly. I've got him learning to move his hind end over parallel next to anything I want to stand on for mounting, and then to stand still. Mm-hmm. He's got that figured out really well. Uh, you know, so we're doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been working on his feet a little bit. You know, they're coming along slowly. We talked about that last month. He's got the, because he's Anglo, he's got kind of the flat thoroughbred feet. And uh, you had mentioned the Tokro Mm -hmm. stuff. And I ordered it, of course. Do you have green fingernails now? Uh, Green and blue. I swear he looked almost Smurf-like between (laughs) the purple Duracell on the bottom of his foot. And then I was... Uh, doing the toe grow and also using some Caratex. And it's after like six weeks, uh, his feet aren't, I mean, they're actually really nice. They're not, before they were cracking and and splitting and chunks were coming out. He's like, ah, you know, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't work him without putting boots on him all the time. At least now I can lunge him you know, barefoot and his feet are looking really good. So um, now, we've he, already seen him black feet or white feet? A mix. Oh. Of course, he's even got one that's both. <laughs> oh, he's got stripey feet. Stripey feet. I love stripey uh-huh. feet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I've always wanted yeah. to do this experiment, but I always cave. Um, these various and sundry products, and there's zillions of them out there, topical products is that uh, we can put on horses' feet to make them softer, make them harder, make them grow faster, make them grow slower, whatever. Uh-huh. There's a million and one of them. I've always wanted to do a test where for 90 days or something, put the product on the left front and the left hind and not put the product on the right front and the right hind, just to see if you can tell a difference. Sure. Because this right. kinds, these kinds of things, most of the time you go, I think it's helping, right? Right. <laughs> well, he definitely, Apollo definitely has gotten more comfortable. You know, before you could tell he was a little ouchy because he part, part of it was he was new to having, um, you know, shoes off. He had mm-hmm. been shod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was part of it. Um, you know, so, you know, he's toughening up or, you know, he's getting nutrition that includes you know the biotin and um all the you know extra stuff he's getting ground flax and all the vitamins and minerals and blah 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 so as the foot grows out I think it's going to get you know healthier and stronger but in the meantime I needed to do something because just walking around at my place barefoot for the first week or two, his feet were chipping up really Aww, bad. I was, yeah. And you don't, you don't want them to be in pain because then you're going to a cause them pain. And that's just hello, a little unfair, but also then right. they start to create themselves some compensatory um, habits. They'll, they'll sure. carry themselves differently. And they, you know, those things can last and cause additional problems. So you are really exactly. thoughtful 
to well, get the ahead good of it. thing is all of this did acclimate him to get used to using renegades much quicker. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's been uh, going really well. I've been using the Vipers with the regular rene- renegade captivator on him and they fit well. He took right to them. Um, you know, we've already done the training where you practice having one come off. Now, how do you and, do that? How does that look? Um, it, it It's much better if you do it in a controlled, planned environment. Yes. yes. So how do you um, plan to have one come off? Do you just put one on and then, like, not strap it so it will fly off? You can, or you just right, right away just uh, strap it right to his ankle and not put it on. Oh, just put it on there so it flaps about. So, yeah, it's just basic stuff like most of us spend time with doing ropes around their legs and picking up their legs with the rope and, you know, just getting them used to having stuff like that, you know, maybe flopping around. Like the first time I lunged him and he had a saddlebag flopping, he, he did a couple of weird little crow hoppy things. And then he's like, Oh, that's what that is. You know, yeah, so it the never same thing would have occurred to me to put on the boot and let the horse experience, like you said, in a controlled fashion, what it's exactly. like to have the boot. Do- that's you think of everything, Karen. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's so much safer, though, because then if it does happen and you're in a competition, you're on the side of a mountain, you definitely don't want your horse doing a hip-hop dance. No. <laughs> on three legs or whatever. You should not be doing you know? the boogie down. No. Because especially I've seen a, seen it happen before where one boot comes off and the horse starts going nuts and then next thing a second one comes off and then a third one because they're flipping out and spinning around and uh you you know so it's just easy to avoid that kind of situation by doing a little bit of planning and so apollo's had all of his his boot training now and um so he's good to go wow so you He's been keeping you really busy. Now, I heard that there were some house or some barn fix-up projects going on since we you're not did. out all the time. We finally, you know, we we waited and Labor Day they had paint sale finally because they <laughs> didn't do it over Memorial Day. So uh, we, we were able to get the paint on sale, which, you know, when you're painting your whole house and your barn. Uh, so that was nice. We finally got, and then, of course, we had the fire smoke again, and it was so bad. I mean, there was ash falling. It was like wow. doomsday. I think you probably saw some of the pictures where the sky was like red or yellowish oh, orange. Yeah. yeah. And there was no sun, that, and it just hurt to breathe. It was like being trapped in a car with a bunch of chain smokers. It was horrible, <laughs> you know, and the windows are all up. So we kept delaying the painting, you know, getting the house painted and the barn painted. So we finally just finished this weekend. We got it all done. House is all painted. The barn's all painted. We replaced all the missing trim that had been pulled down over the years. And it's all back up now. And it's never been in such good shape for a long, long time. So it's all beautiful and put together so that the horses can tear it all apart again. Oh, I hope not. But now I do have cameras out there and I can spy on them. So if it looks like they're going to start trying to chew, I'm going to be right out there rubbing. Um, I found the Irish Spring Soap. If I rub it on the wood, Mm -hmm. it really does work. Uh, at least with these horses, it has. These guys don't seem to try that. So I, we don't, we don't, well, we do have a couple of wood chewers here at the farm. 
Oh, do you? Yeah. 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 They can really go to town. They're like giant beavers if they, they yeah. want. Yeah. yeah so. We have one that's a cribber. Uh-huh. And then the other one's a chewer. He, he will peel yeah. off strips of it and eat it like spaghetti. Okay. See, now, Bo, when we had him, he didn't so much chew, but he... He was like a, he thought he was a construction worker, except he was a deconstruction worker. Like he took things apart, like he pulled the trim off, he pulled the rain gutters off. So I got the rain gutters back up too. So everything's back in place. He wanted to be a construction worker, but he couldn't do that because he doesn't have opposable thumbs, but he could take stuff apart. He could. He was very good at it, at rearranging (laughs) things, moving stall mats, moving water troughs. Um, But yeah, pulling down all the barn trim. Um, So yeah, it wasn't so much that he was a chewer. He just liked to take things apart. So, um, but so far, Chiefs, he's not really a chewer and and Apollo doesn't seem to be yet either. But, you know, we got to give him time. (laughs) time. Well, speaking of DIY projects... Uh, your uh-huh. your tip this month is a DIY product. It is. It's how to make homemade liniment well, who for those that? that are on a budget. You know, because the liniments can get really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, sometimes just cold hosing works just as good as anything. Uh, you know, or even just sponging the legs down with with water. Mm-hmm. And uh, or if there's a creek nearby, putting your horse in that, sometimes that's going to work just as well as anything. But if you want to use a, a liniment, you can make one quite easily and you can get these ingredients at Walgreens or Walmart or even your local dollar store. And I love the uh, dollar I, store for horse consumables. It's so cheap. I know. Yeah. And so it's just basically three ingredients and I've used this going back for decades. Um, it's uh, one of the, I guess, I guess it's a, I don't know, pint or quart. I'm not really sure what those, how big those, those are. Pints, are. Those little ones you pint. buy at the cheap okay. store. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one uh, wintergreen alcohol, a witch hazel, and Listerine or some similar type of mouthwash. And you just mix the three together. And if you want, you can add arnica or essential oils. Um, You just have to make sure if you're doing a competition that it's not something that's illegal. Like arnica isn't allowed to be used during or just before a competition. Now, afterwards, if you're already done invited out, then you can use anything you you like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but if you're you're just wanting to use this to kind of help with, you know, cooling down your horse's legs or whatever, um, then just the basic three ingredients um, always seem to do a pretty good job. Just so make you sure use, you use equal parts of each of the ingredients? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Equal parts. And you've got to make sure you test it out ahead of time or, you know, just on, you know, maybe one leg, kind of like with testing out the, the boots coming off or any kind of tack flopping on your horse, you know, try it out first. Make sure your horse isn't sensitive skin because some of them might be or might not like one of the ingredients well the sensation can be disturbing for some horses if they if they're if you put it they go they're not allergic to it or aversely physically reacting to it but the sensation can be like oh oh, what's that Um, i know and especially practice at home yeah, yeah if there's any dings or scratches or little wounds or something yeah you don't really want to be putting that on there mm. <laughs> now everybody has a different 
dance with your for application. Now, do you use this on their body mixed with water or just on their legs? You can. I just mainly used it on legs. Okay, so this is something you... you now, know. when you put it on the legs, do you rub it in? I usually did, yes. I would just sponge it on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then... And then sometimes I would ice boot over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't usually wrap legs, but I will pull up like an Equiflex sleeves. I've used those a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like those because they provide some compression and support, but they're also breathable. And so you can feel, I like to be able to feel my horse's mm-hmm. legs. Now, if they've done a real intense workout or different types of, you know, rides with the real hard pack stuff over the years, I have you know, done the full wrap job. And then I usually will use clay uh, underneath. A p- clay poultice. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you don't use this in a bucket of water as a liniment over their body, mostly just for their legs. Right. I, you know, I think you probably could, but again, I would just test it out on your horse and make sure they're not going to be sensitive to it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I did learn one lesson uh, years ago, the hard way I had a liniment and I don't really know what was in it, but I did put it all over my horse and then I blanketed him. Uh Oh, I know. Don't do that. No, (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Any liniment that you use. We called him Kojak for a couple of weeks. Any liniment you use, unless it specifically says you can put bandages or blankets over it. Cover it up. You can't. Don't. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Learn that lesson. That was like a, long time ago we all do stuff like that unfortunately um at the horse's expense and hopefully we only do it once and then learn learn. you You live and you learn well that's great advice so you you mix equal parts um from the local mega mart or walgreens or whatever you've got one pint of wintergreen alcohol one pint of witch hazel and one pint of listerine or similar mouthwash uh, test first. Make sure your there horse you isn't sensitive by putting a small amount on and not rubbing too much. Make, and, and make sure that how you know how he reacts so you can be ready if he's a stomper, because some of them are stompers. Um, now, if I were to be using this on my fellow, I would probably be hesitant to bandage over it. If I was using this, I would probably right. um, cut it with um, water about... 50% so I would use a half a a half a pint of each and then maybe uh-huh. a pint and a half of water unless my horse proved otherwise just because I like you I'm a little bit cautious when it comes to putting bandaging material over exactly. any liniment right yeah right. plain old you boring also- alcohol I, I put it on there you rub it in and I put bandages over top of it because yeah. It evapor- yeah it it will evaporate almost before you get the bandage on it's it evaporates very very right quickly. Right. Yeah. And the alcohol, like I use just plain regular alcohol mm-hmm. um, mixed in with my sponging water, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. at Tevis to cool, help cool the horses because mm-hmm. the alcohol really provides an extra cooling effect. Mm-hmm. And one other, yeah. yeah, one other thing that you can add in, which I've used in just my regular sponging water when I go over the whole horse for cleaning up is I'll add in some liquid aloe vera. And Interesting. You can, you can buy it, at, you know, like Walmart has it by the gallon for like six or seven bucks. It's probably gone up, but um, somewhere in that range. And you just can add a couple 
of cups in with your little bucket of sponging water. And it's kind of, it's soothing for the skin. And I uh, use that in the summer to kind of help with keeping their, you know, coats and stuff a little bit more supple and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're you're talking about the liquid out al- liquid aloe vera, not that thick uh-huh. juicy gel stuff. Right, the liquid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a yeah. big jug of that sitting in the back of the refrigerator. Hmm. Oh yeah, you might as well use it. Might as well there you go. That. Yeah. Okay. See, so there's some tips for today. Interesting stuff, and some more great tips we're going to get from Kristen at the Distance Depot. She's going to tell us what's going on over there at our favorite store for purchasing everything. Endurance, and we're going to get right of hold of her right now. Good morning, Kristen. It's Karen and Jen. Good morning. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Really good. We've got some nice clear weather. We can finally see the sky out west. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad of that for you all. Thanks. I can only imagine. So I was looking through your website at all the really nice boots and riding shoes and boots that you have. So let's talk about those. Okay. Well, we have a pretty wide variety of um, half chaps and gloves. um, And the riding boots that we offer um, pretty much are by area. The footbed in the area boot is fantastic for those of us who have to have our feet in the stirrups for long hours. So I offer uh, a waterproof um, Ariat Terrain H2O, it's called, for men and women. I have men's sizes as well as the women's. Um, uh, and again, you know, it's a nice boot. It has great ankle support, a great footbed, and it's waterproof. So um, going through those brooks and streams and sponging your horse and all of that, it's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Why do you have that has a good tread on it for those of us that like to get off and hike on foot a little bit with Um, our horses yeah and that one tends to be it doesn't have like a very aggressive footbed i'm not sure that um any of these really have a a very aggressive footbed okay um i don't find that one too terribly slippery i've ridden in that one for years myself and and um i think it's nice on those new easy care stirrups that have those little nubbies on them i know Uh with some of the more aggressive tread um, people feel like their foot is a little stuck on those uh-huh. um, that so many of us are riding in now, and they've changed that pad to have those little nubbies. So that's a great boot for that. Um, okay. The Dublin boot is a tall boot. I We have the pinnacle, and we're switching over to the nice chocolate color, which is a nice dark brown. And it's a tall boot, so you can ride in it. It's also waterproof um, and great for those of us with larger calves. Because they are. They're my favorites. I've mm-hmm. got two pairs. <laughs> yeah, they're super nice. I do, too. Um, I do, too. I have to admit. Um, but I love them. They're a roomier boot, so when I switch from the Ariat that's a snug boot around your ankle and then move to the Pinnacle, I feel like there's a lot more room in there. But I like that. Um, uh-huh. I like that freedom in the boot. It's just a comfortable boot to wear. And I've stood all day at conventions in them, too. I, I I love that particular boot. Yeah, they're really, I get the most compliments on those boots. They are Everybody sharp. Everybody loves them. Yeah, they're really sharp. We also have a, a paddock boot for those that like a more of a traditional, and I rode in the area paddock boot for years because I don't even know that they had the terrain back when I was competing. 
so I had always used the lace-up. But I have the um, paddock boot by Ariat 2, and it's available in black, and I have it in zip as well as lace-up. And we have an extreme um, zip paddock boot, which is great for winter, so it has the thinsulate uh, in it, and um, it's a nice warm boot, too, for for riding in the winter time. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. And tell us and about then, your your gloves. I'm scrolling on down and look at uh-huh. all these gloves. I, I know, love gloves. A, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of different ones. We have some by Ariat that's a lightweight mesh. We have um, a back on track therapeutic riding glove and um, we have some crocheted back ones which are cool for the summer. Um, but as we get into the winter months, um, we have the Rokel gloves, too, which are pretty popular. They're a leather glove and um, super soft. Those are really nice gloves. But for winter, we've got um, an economy winter glove. We have the Carrots hand warmer gloves and the 10 Below. I'm not sure they really keep your hands honestly warm to 10 Below because I've been in 10 Below and nothing keeps my hands warm. <laughs> I think you're right, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, I will know. say, yeah, I will say they're waterproof. So there's a lining inside that glove. So you can scoop snow and, you know, straw, hay, whatever, out of buckets uh-huh. and out of your, so, and your hands will stay dry. And those are touchscreen friendly, it says, they too. Are. Yep. Yeah, that's nice, too. So when your phone rings, you don't have to take your glove off and have freezing cold hands. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just, we have a ton of gloves. And half chaps, too. Yes, um, those Velcro look really half- nice. What's that? Those look really nice. Yeah. We have some Velcro half chaps for those. Those work really well um, for some of the riders with bigger calves or for those that like to ride in jeans um, because they'll Velcro right around your jeans Uh and help you from, you know, to keep you from chafing. And um, some really good price points on half chaps, too. The the zippered half chaps that we have are $40. That's a great price point. And we have the Just Chaps Cool half chaps and the Air Mesh Just Chaps. Um, and they're imported from England, so they're a little pricier, but they're um, perforated, so they breathe really well for those who, you know, tend to get really hot and heat rash. Those mm-hmm. tend to work well. So lots of different options there. We have a whole page dedicated to the half chaps gloves and boots that we offer on our website. And if somebody was interested in ordering, where, how would they get in touch with you? Um, they can visit our website. We are www.thedistancedepot.com, or they can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349. Great. Terrific. Perfect. Well, yes, thanks for joining us. Thank you, ladies. Have a good day. Bye, Kristen. Bye-bye. Bye. She always has such great stuff. I love shopping in the distance. You know, and we do this every month. We've done it for years. And there are still things we haven't gotten around to talking about yet. Yeah. There's such a variety of half chaps around now. It's kind of fun that because you can, regardless of what discipline you have, there's something Mm -hmm. that's going to match your needs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of nice. So coming up, we're going to be talking with uh, Courtney Kruger. Yes, Courtney is... uh, a distance rider. He does ride and tie, which we different. have spoken to him before. That's where you have two riders and one horse and they share the horse. One rides ahead and then stops and ties the horse to a tree or to whatever they can find. Then the second guy or gal 
runs from behind and catches up and gets on the horse. And then they keep doing the leapfrog thing. And he's got a horse with a story uh, to tell us about and some also new updates regarding the Ride and Tie Association with the AARC. Hello, this is Courtney. Hey, good morning, Courtney. It's Karen and Jen. Hey. Good morning, Karen, Jen. Hey. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to hearing about the story about what happened with your horse, Kevlar. So so let's uh, roll back and tell us what happened to him. Sure. So we bought Kevlar about a year ago. Actually, my brother and brother-in-law, Mark Landers, bought him to be a ride and tie horse. And his um, registered name is Silk and Premature, but Silk just didn't sound tough enough for a ride and tie horse. <laughs> and so my wife came up with the name Kevlar, which, of course, is that bulletproof material. And Silk is a material, Kevlar is a material. So that's his um, uh, barn name, I guess you might say. And, okay. and boy, did he prove it back on June 6th. Uh, my friend, Carrie Barrett, who's one of my other ride and tie partners, and I were in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park um, on the Appalachian Trail, and it's, it's the only section of Appalachian Trail that they allow horses on. And so we thought, well, this will be cool to kind of go explore that a little bit. We've never done it before. And we planned about, a, I think, a 20, 25-mile um, uh, uh, course to do that day, kind of a long, slow-distance day to get the get the horses ready to um, compete because we were down because of COVID. Didn't have uh, races on coming up soon, but but of course we're on the horizon and trying to keep them keep them fit. We're about six and a half miles up the trail, going up this uh, a mountain. I guess it's, I can't remember the name of the mountain now. Camera Camera or something Mount Camera. And the trail is just kind of cut into the side of the mountain. So you've got steep trail on the right going up and then steep trail on the left going down and you're kind of on this cut in trail on the side of the mountain and we came up to a tree that was down across the trail which of course is pretty common for um if you're, if you're doing trail riding and we looked at the tree and said yeah i think we can make it over it safely but we did make the decision to dismount before we got off uh, before, we, before we let the horses come over the tree just to be safe since there was a fairly steep drop off on the on the left-hand side, and then as I stepped up to the tree, there were a couple of branches sticking up, and I thought, mm, I don't really like that, and and as, as fate would have it, I guess, my wife had asked for a folding saw for the saddle for Mother's Day, um, and as an aside, I just, I love it that my, my horsewoman wife doesn't want flowers or chocolate, but <laughs> she wanted a folding saw for the saddle, uh-huh. so I took that out, and I cut a couple of branches off of the off of the tree to give them a little more, they could be a little closer to the high side rather than the low side. And then I stepped over the tree and had Kevlar's edge of his halter in my hand to kind of help him get over. And as he stepped up to the tree, and, and of course I was on the other side, so I didn't really see it, but I think maybe as he started putting his weight on his back end just to kind of step over, the trail beneath him just collapsed. And he yeah. started sliding down uh, the, the trail of not a straight drop off, but very, very steep and, and very rocky and, and rocks like the size of, of basketballs and, and car tire coming. And I mean, that's the part that still, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of traumatized by, cause I can just remember seeing him. I can still see him. And I remember me just hollering out, Oh, Kevlar. And just being totally helpless as I'm watching him slide and tumble and then roll a couple of times down this, steep, steep 
uh, uh, embankment. And finally, he got his legs uh, up underneath him and was able to kind of stop the slide. And um, he's a big, tough, strong Arabian. And so he just immediately charged back up that that embankment um, and got to within just a few feet of us and then fell another a second time. Oh um, and about this time, I'm already trying to make my way down to him, um, but it's just super steep and super rocky. And, and um, so, but I finally, I get to him and get, we both kind of collect our breath for a second. And um, the one thing I didn't do at that moment that I should have done was a little bit of triage. I didn't even really look at him. I'm just trying to figure out how do I get him back up to the trail? And there was one route that looked like it might be a little less steep than the others. And so I start leading him up that way, and, and he fell a third time. Oh, no. and, and at that point, I realized I'm asking this horse to rock climb, and horses just can't rock climb. I mean, it, it was almost like having to, to rock climb. And so I'm not more than 50 feet from Carrie and, and her horse, Comet, up on the trail. I mean, I can see them and talk to them at almost a normal volume, but we may as well have been 50 miles away because there was just no getting him up. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, I was worried he might be a little bit shocky. His feet were, his back end was really shaking the way he was standing, just trying to hang on to that, that, because it was such a steep slope. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I was able to find a little area that was kind of level and, and there was a tree between him and the slope too, so that he couldn't, you know, roll over or fall over or whatever. And once I kind of got him there and got him somewhat stabilized, then I realized that uh, maybe I ought to be checking him out and seeing how he's doing. And he had some cuts on his legs that were bleeding, but not too bad. And then I saw the big one and he had about a, probably a six inch diameter, uh, just flayed wide open section on his, on his belly. And it, it, it just, and this is gross, I guess, but it looked like somebody had taken a knife and started just skinning him alive. It just, it was wide open. I could see the, the stomach wall and the muscle in there moving and all, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't bleeding too badly, but it. But I knew belly wounds can be so tough for people or for for animals if they get infected. That's just so so tough, so tough. Mm-hmm. But I also had no idea how we we're going to get him down um, uh, because there was no going up, and I had no idea what was below us. And um, I'm just kind of standing there. About that time, a hiker comes by, and he had this great map, and he said, "I can look on this map. It's GPS." Uh, connected and he said actually this is a great big switchback and he said i don't know quite how far away you are from the trail below you but i know you're 200 vertical feet from it i'm just not sure how far you are and he went back down to the trail and kind of hollered up and actually bushwhacked his way up and he said if you can come across this one particular direction if you can get through that rock field it's still super super steep but it's just dirt it's not rocks anymore Okay. And so I said, I don't know. I don't even know. If I, I was thinking he's going to fall again and die, or he's going to break a leg and all these rocks. And um, and I just, I just wasn't sure. And I was my wife. I had her on the phone by then, and she's trying to find either some kind of a horse rescue or or a vet or something in the area. And I'm really thinking we may just have to get a vet up here to euthanize him where he is because I don't know if we can move him. And then the magic starts. <laughs> Because Comet up above, Carrie had tied Comet to the tree and had come down to me. And we did tease and say, it's good that Comet's a riding type pony because he knew he knows what it's like to be tied to a tree. He's okay to be by himself tied to a tree on the trail. Uh-huh. But he got bored and restless, and he started calling out. And Kevlar, at this point, I've been down with him now 45 minutes or an hour, and 
he has not shown any desire to even move because every time he's moved, he's fallen and he's, he's scared and he doesn't want to move. But when Comet called out, Kevlar started moving kind of towards Comet and I couldn't let him go that way. That wasn't the right way. But then he looked at me and you know, the way we can bond with our horses. I mean, he said to me with his eyes, I don't want you to get a vet up here and euthanize me. I want to get down and I will do whatever you ask me to do to try to get down. I mean, he, he just told me that with his eyes uh-huh. and I'm not typically that sentimental about horses or, or animals, but boy, that horse was telling me that. And so I said, Carrie, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's try. And so I took out that folding saw and I started sawing down uh, little tree saplings and, and branches and things to try to cut a clear path. We couldn't go straight down. It was too steep, but to kind of go parallel to the, to where we knew the trail was and keep trying to work our way down. And um, again, I'm so thankful I had that saw. And after about another hour, we got him to the trail. And um, I was able to get the University of Tennessee Large Animal Hospital on the phone, and they had me to kind of describe his injuries. And the vet said, well, the, the stomach wound is, is obviously critical, but there's no need for us to send a vet to your trailer because there's nothing we can do for him there. You just need to get him to us as soon as you can. And so my wife and daughter are already making their way over there so they could bring the, the truck and the trailer up a, a dirt road so that he wouldn't have to go the whole six and a half miles down. And so we started making our way down to the to the the um the, the intersection of the trail and, and the road. And he, his back end was just really hurting. And there are hundreds of steps that are wooden steps on the Appalachian Trail that, that we were coming down. And oh, he would yeah. square up his front feet on the well, every time we got to a step, just square them up right at the edge of the step. And then he would just step down so gingerly. And you could tell he was hurting so bad. But he was so tough and he didn't give me a bit of trouble and the only time he wouldn't move would be we'd get to a patch of grass or something and he'd want to stop and graze a little bit and we let him because i thought this has got to be a good sign that he, he's wanting to eat and that kind of thing but we also knew we've got to get you to the hospital and so carrie had done an amazing thing she'd gone up and and somehow taken his saddle because i'd taken all of his tack off and she rock climbed it up to comet and had put it uh, on Comet, um, and, and Comet carried the two saddles down, and we made our way to probably about uh, four and a half, five miles down to the uh, the road and got him loaded up and, and got him to the hospital. And um, when the vet came out to, to give us a report, it was COVID-19, so we couldn't go in. We were just sitting outside. Nice. Um, she said, well, I think Kevlar must have been wearing Kevlar today because we think he's going to be okay. And I just about lost wow. it at that moment because I was pretty – afraid they're going to say there's really not a lot we can do and we're going to need to put him down and i'd already uh-huh. called mark and said i'm so sorry this happened but i need you to know we're taking him to the hospital and they may be telling us that he's not going to make it but they said no uh-huh. and then later the surgeon uh when they got a chance to, to really take a look at him said um that whatever it was that gashed him open a rock or a, or a, or a, a limb or whatever she said it came within one millimeter of puncturing his stomach wall um, but it didn't, and and that was wow. And Amazing. they had us just oh, you know, it really was. Uh, and they had him just had us just leave the wound open and keep it bandaged, which was kind of exciting because it was right back there, the back of his belly, right before you get to the his hip, and and the bandages kept wanting to slide down. Um, and we had to rig up poor guys. He's had this horrible injury. Then we had to use pantyhose, to kind of make um almost like a, a, a suspenders for him to hold the bandage on. And he wow. looked so silly up there in the pasture with, the, with pantyhose around his neck. But uh, 
five or six weeks later, we took him back and, and he was, he was fully recovered and, and, um, has just, has done three riding ties and one LD since, and it's just been amazing. Wow. Wow. He sounds like a tough guy. So well, I have he, a question. He, he is such a, yes. I have a question. Have you yeah. had the opportunity to ride him on any kind of terrain that was similar to where he had the tumble and fall? And have you know, if so, have you noticed him reacting or behaving differently in those situations? You know, that's a great question. We have, and we haven't where he reacts more differently. So oddly is when he's on like a, a, a gravel road or, or a double track rather than a single track, he, he, he doesn't like dark spots in the road and, and he'll shy away from those. He's, he's never been particularly spooky, uh, but it, it's, it's actually these wider roads that have nothing to do with the other, but we've done lots of trails that were very similar to what we're doing. And he doesn't seem to react to those at all. So I don't know what it is about the roads, but we do what we are associating with what happened back in June. He's getting better. He's already a whole lot better than he was, okay. but that was his, that's what he was most afraid of was, was double track roads. So, do you think it was reason. the, what he felt and heard underfoot? Something that sounded like gravel hmm. giving way? Maybe so. I hadn't thought about that, but could be. Could yeah. be. Interesting. Um, that's a great. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, what a guy. He really is Kevlar inside and out. Uh-huh. How old yeah, he is he? Yeah, he is. He is 12 years old. And he's, for a riding tie horse, he's pretty big. He's 15'2". Um, and when you're mounting and dismounting 30 or 60 times a, a time, like, <laughs> he's kind of big. But that, I think that pretty cool too we, we we just love him he's a big white you know, gray uh a horse and when i'm out on the trail i see him i holler out war horse because he just looks like a, a big old tough uh-huh. war horse he's the most massive arabian that we have he's just got he's just really really well built good i'm so glad he made it through wow wow Yay. so you yeah. have also some news to tell us about a deal that's in the works between aarc and the ride and tie yeah. organization Sure. I'm on the, the National Ride and Tie Board. Uh, I'm the sanctioning officer for Ride and Tie. And we've been working the last uh, six months or so with AARC on an affiliate program where Ride and Tie would become sort of an affiliate with AARC. Uh, lots of races, particularly in the East, I think maybe a little more than in the West, we do. We already are doing in conjunction with AARC races. And it makes so much sense. Right? It's our rides. It's usually we, Ride and Tie, we call them races. I know AARC, we call them rides. Um, but, uh, um, if there's an ARC ride going on, you've already got the course marked. You've already got your vets. You know, the, the rules are almost identical with a very few exceptions. Uh, and so why not throw on a ride and tie as well, both for the additional entries, but also it just brings a little extra to the, the event. Uh, we enjoy being out there with the ARC folk. And I think most of our ARC folk love teasing us about why would you take a perfectly good horse tied to a tree and run away from it? <laughs> And so what we're hoping is to continue to encourage that by becoming an affiliate and, and offering some incentives to ride managers to putting on uh, ride and ties with their endurance races or rides, excuse me. Uh, and um, uh, I think it will be absolutely a win-win for everybody. Both sports need to grow and want to grow. And there are a lot of folks like me who came into the ride and tie world and then have since moved over and, and I do endurance as well. Um, and there's a number of endurance people that have been in the endurance world and said, I want to give this riding type thing a try. Right. Um, and and I don't know. Books. 
and you know, a Saturday and Sunday race or I'm sorry, good. Right. I was just going to ask about the distances, the right and ties go. Usually 25 to 30 miles is kind of a standard sort of ride and tie distance with AERC, kind of like ARC, we do kind of fun runs and they'll be smaller. 25 would be an LD for a, for a, a, an endurance. We don't call them LDs in ride and tie, but it might be a 10 mile or an eight mile or whatever. We, there are 50 and even hundred mile ride and ties. I've done a couple of fifties, um, but they're much fewer and farther between. Mm-hmm. And so if, if an endurance ride, we're doing an LD, you've already got your LD course, you're ready to go. The ride and ties just, just do that. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. That'll be kind of fun and something new to try for some of us that haven't actually. I've been at rides where they had a ride and tie in conjunction, but not for quite a while. Like you said, there's not that many out west. Yeah, and then we we really hope to to change that uh, because again, I, I think it's win win for everybody. Uh, it it, it just makes it so much more fun, and that and the. The ride managers will get a little more entry money and that kind of thing, which which obviously always helps. And, and so, so, yeah. Good. Well, I hope this all works out. And yeah. I'd like to thank you again for joining us and telling us your story about Kevlar. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been, been, been a delight. Well, this morning we have Dr. Susan Garlinghouse with us. She is an endurance ride vet and an endurance rider. Uh, She rides the rather well-known John Henry. And she's joining us this morning to talk about a little bit about what has been going on on the West Coast with our bad air quality from all the wildfire smoke. So welcome, Susan. Thank you for joining us yet again on Endurance Day. Thank you very much. And good morning, and I hope uh, I, I understand it's uh, Karen, you, and also Jen, and uh, Glenn, I hear he's at, at home recovering, and I, I hope he recovers uh, really, really well. He's back with us real soon. Thanks. Yes, I understand he's in his recliner, and I uh, got back home last night, right, Jen? Oh, good. That's right. He, okay. is, he is installed in his recliner, and he has been forbidden from logging into his email. <laughs> That sounds like a great strategy for mental health. Especially this year. (laughs) No kidding. Okay, so what can you tell us about the air quality ratings and how to tell when it is or isn't safe for our horses to be working? Well, a a lot of it is, uh, as everybody knows, we've had some really devastating wildfires in the the West. And even as of this morning, there are 13 of the Western states, and by Western, I mean South Dakota uh, and and farther West than that, that are still reporting uh, large fires. So even though it's not as bad as it was maybe a month ago, uh, it is still, there's a lot of really bad air quality issues going on. And it's not just local because that that smoke uh, travels from west to east in the United States, and then it keeps on going. So Mm -hmm. they've actually even uh, found that the the smoke from the the western wildfires has gotten as far as Greenland and even into Europe. Uh, Now, I'm sure that it's it's not directly causing some some significant air quality problems in in, in Europe at this point, but the the point is, is that it's not just locally that the air quality is adversely affected. Um, there's uh, a really good website for people to to look at is um, airnow 
dot gov. Mm-hmm. And that will tell you, uh, you it, it's very interactive and it's very easy to, to look at. And it will tell you a lot about what your local air quality is on a day-to-day basis. And you can also go back and you can look at the archives to say, okay, well, that's what it was today. What was it last week or last month or this t- same time last year? Mm-hmm. And they have a, a scale. It's what they call the uh, air quality index or the AQI. And that will tell you a lot about um, what kind of the uh, the scale about whether you have healthy air that you don't have any worries at all. You can go ahead and and do whatever you want to do with yourself or with your horses. Versus, is this getting hazardous? Is this actually unhealthy? Uh, I looked this morning, and there's some areas that uh, obviously here in California uh, at the moment I'm uh, I'm on the Monterey, Monterey Peninsula, and so the air quality is 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 excellent. But just a couple hundred miles to the, the east, uh, in right around the Mammoth Lakes area this morning, the AQI was over 1,300. Now, anything over right around 150 or so is considered hazardous. So when you have AQI that is over 1,300, which is just crazy high, then we've got some significant risk going on with not only your own respiratory system, but also with, with your horses. So in general, um, for AQI, anything over about 150 to 200 is going to be unhealthy for any horse. Um, now, anything over uh, less than that, if you have a horse that maybe has a, a history of COPD, that they've got some uh, respiratory allergies, has just recently recovered from uh, viruses uh, or some allergy issues or something like that, a respiratory infection, then much, much lower, um, maybe an AQI of about 51 to 100, even those you have to be a little bit careful. Now, when we start to uh, have to be more careful is when AQI uh, is over 150. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, for those horses, um, over 150, that's unhealthy for all horses. So those horses, you should be limiting the exercise to really pretty much just kind of an easy walk on the flat, no trotting, no hills, uh, no cantering, no jumping, keep everything. You you pretty much want to be exercising only at a level where the heart rate stays below probably about 80 beats per minute. Okay. Um, if you have an area where the, the AQI is going to be over 150 for several days, if you have the ability to keep that horse inside in a barn, if you have have one, that would probably be a good idea. Um, if you have horses that are outside and in pasture, then do what you can to try and keep the horses from doing those, you know, those early mornings. They do the the wahoo boingity, you know, uh-huh. racing around in, in circles and being goofy. If there's any way to keep them from doing that when the air quality is really bad, that would be great. Um, sometimes that's really tough to do, but you know you have to kind of uh, do do what you can about that. Right. Okay. Um, I have a question. Is there uh-huh. any kind of a scale for factoring, like if your horse has been in bad air quality, like a month ago we were still hitting four and five hundred, and we went uh-huh. weeks where it was over one hundred and fifty. Is there any kind of a scale to say, okay, well my horse was in that bad of an air quality for an entire week or for an entire ten days? to tell or to try to figure out how many days or weeks after that you need to let them just have off or 
like you said, to only be just walking and keeping their heart rate low? Well, there, there isn't a specific scale, but we do know that the respiratory system, when it's, it's been subjected to a, uh, a real insult of inflammation, it can take up to four to six weeks for that inflammation to really resolve. So if you have horses that stayed very quiet during that, that bad air quality, you might want to just give them, once the air quality goes back to, to being good again, you might want to just give them a week or 10 days off, maybe two weeks, something like that. If they've shown absolutely no symptoms whatsoever, they have no history of respiratory issues, um, and if they stayed very, very quiet during that, that time period. Mm-hmm. But if you have horses that, for whatever reason, uh, were subjected to really bad air quality, and maybe they have a history. <clears throat> and also, um, if they were somehow exercising um, for, for whatever reason, um, and, and they have had that much of an insult where, especially if you're maybe seeing some symptoms that they're um, coughing a lot more and you're getting a productive cough, um, you're hearing more of just an occasional cough, but just a, a, you know, a, more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Then, um, when you have an injury like that, then again, you can take up to four to six weeks, and that's about what we expect if a horse has had like an, uh, a respiratory infection, pneumonia, viruses, things like that. It it takes a while, and part of that is because the the lining of the trachea and inside the respiratory system has these little tiny fingers called cilia. And their job is that they sort of beat upwards and they take any kind of mucus or pollutants, particles like ash, uh, and they gradually move them uh, up and out. And that's where a productive cough comes from. But if you've had something that's really inflammatory, then those cilia, they really take a hit. And it takes a while for those to grow back and to recover. So there's a lot of different factors going on. But no, we don't have an actual, you know, like an algebraic formula. Yeah, because we had ash coating the water trough, so I was having to keep them uh-huh. cleaned out every couple of days. Mm-hmm. Which you know is exactly. Not yeah, yeah. Well, and that's also something to consider if you are so close that you had ash fallout. Like we had a lot of that out here, even on the Monterey Peninsula, and you probably had a lot more than we did. Uh-huh. Then when horses are they're snuffling that up, then even though the air quality may not be that bad, if you know that they have inhaled ash then you know it's going to take a while for that inflammation mm-hmm. and all of that pollution to, to get back out of the system. So you don't want to compromise the, the respiratory system while it's happening. Okay. Do you have any recommendations for any kind of supplements that we can give our horses to help them recover? Absolutely. There's um, a number of, uh, of different things that you can, can do. Part of those are going to be um, just some some kind of management things. Part of it is try and minimize that dust and minimize any ash if you've had the fallout. Um, feeding wet hay is a great way to not be adding more dust and dirt into the respiratory system. Uh, if your horse likes sloppy mashes, then this is a great time to be feeding them as much wet food as possible. As you found out, <clears throat> um, make sure that their their water quality, you may have to be feeding, uh, changing out your water uh, containers more often. Uh, if you are in really bad air quality, keep your water source close to your hay. Uh, a lot of the times when we have endurance horses, then we'll try and put the water maybe a long ways away from the hay so they're walking back and forth and uh-huh. help them keep loose a lot more. 
But in this particular case, again, you want to keep them quiet. So keep the two next to each other. You can give them some of the uh, antioxidant-type supplements, uh, vitamin E. Uh, it doesn't take tons and tons and tons of it. A lot of people try and uh, supplement these gigantic amounts, but even something as innocuous as vitamin E does eventually get up into the toxic levels, usually somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10,000 IU per day. Okay. Um, usually about maybe 2,000 a day is more than enough. Um, there's lots of different sources for, for providing that. But uh, I really like the, the water-soluble um, vitamin E sources. Those tend to be more bioavailable. Mm-hmm. What you want to stay away from are the synthetic vitamin E's. They're only half as bioavailable as the so-called natural vitamin E's. And you can tell the difference by looking at the label. A synthetic vitamin E, which is actually a petroleum product, is going to be listed as D-L-alpha-tocopherol. What you are looking for is just the D-alpha-tocopherol. So if it has an L in there, just remember L is lousy. Okay. Uh, uh, So you can do a vitamin E if your horse has access to good grass, uh, green grass. uh, That's a terrific source of vitamin E. Uh, You don't consider hay as a source of vitamin E. It is when it's green grass, but by the time it's cured, the vitamin E is essentially gone. Um, If your horse gets a little bit of rice bran, that's a really good source. If you're just feeding maybe a couple cups a day, uh, either by itself or as part of another complete feed that you're you're, uh, providing, that's a good source of vitamin E. Uh, You can uh, provide a little bit of vitamin C. Uh, I... It's helpful to the immune system, but horses are different from humans in that horses can synthesize their own vitamin C. And the endogenous vitamin C is better than what we can supplement them with. So you don't want to do that often because then the the liver goes, well, forget it. I'm just not going to make my own. And it it stops making it. And and what we feed is not as good. But during high stress times, uh, you can feed about maybe 5 to 10 grams of vitamin C only during times of stress and then let the liver go back to, to doing what it, it does. Um, and the, uh, the other thing is you can feed a omega-3 fatty acid. Uh, either flaxseed is a good source. Chia is fine, although the, the vitamin, uh, the omega-3 profile is about the same, but it costs twice as much, but up to you. Um, marine oil is terrific. Uh, there's several different sources of that now. And the, the other thing you can consider is even if the horses are not normally getting it, if you really had a hit to their respiratory system, then give them a little bit of a soluble fiber uh, source. That can be beet pulp. It can be soybean hulls. It can be psyllium. Those are the sand clear type, uh, type products. Mm-hmm. What those do is that we have found in other species, we're not exactly sure yet about horses, but this is a reasonable extrapolation is that um, doing so increases the circulating levels of immunoglobulin A. And that is a specific immunoglobulin that benefits the respiratory system. So if that is the case, then it is probably going to increase the integrity and the faster turnover of those little cilia, those little tiny paddles that are helping move the the junk out um, out of the liver, out of the lungs. Okay. Um, and so that's probably a good thing as well. Okay. I do ground flax every day. I just got a new 50 pound bag. How much of that mm-hmm. 
do you recommend? I think a lot of it depends on whether the horse can, um, as long as they're not already fat, you know, we see some horses that are absolute um, air ferns that uh-huh. have to be a little careful. But I, personally, I think that every horse on the planet would benefit by getting at least a cup of flaxseed a day. Okay. So if, if you're right around in there, no, you don't want to go zero to 60 with flax because it can also cause some loose stool. And if you go way too far, it can cause some outright diarrhea. And that's a bad thing. Right. But um, I, I love flaxseed. I know. <laughs> yes. I, I say it a lot. <laughs> no, and the horses like it too. <laughs> They're big fans. Yeah, and it's it's easy to come by nowadays too. You can you can yes. buy that at uh, if your local, if your local feed, feed and supplier doesn't manufacture it themselves. There's a lot there's a lot of places that manufacture shelf stable ground flax nowadays to make life simple. And last night yeah. I was fortunate enough to get the link to your last webinar, which was really kind of fun to listen to. I missed it when you did it live, um, but there's more webinars coming up. So give us a little bit of info on that. Well, um, AERC has been trying to find out ways to make sure that the, uh, the membership is still being rewarded and we're still getting some good perks, even when we have so many rides that had to be canceled because of COVID and now because of the wildfires on top of it in the, the West. So one of the things that we came up with is that we're doing these webinars and they're available only to, to members, but they they go anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, um, mostly because you have to beat me with a stick to get me to stop talking. Uh, mine, by the time we're done with Q&A, tend to go closer to about two hours. But we have different subjects that are uh, mostly of interest to endurance people, but also you know, are, are relevant to a lot of other people that just have performance horses. But we do have one coming up that's going to be a panel of experienced riders that they were going to be talking about how to transition from 50 to 100 miles. Um, so we're doing these right now about one, a couple months, we've had them two in a month. And we're going to, we, we were certainly going to continue these just during COVID. But even after that, because we've gotten such a really good, um, uh, good response to this, that we're going to try and keep continuing these. So a lot of people are saying, well, I'm not going to join just for, for those. Can I just, um, you know, have access to them anyway? And we're going, well, no, this this is the, the biscuit that uh-huh. we're sending to our, our members. But what we're also pointing out is that uh, an AERC, an annual membership, is about $75 or so. But if you have access to even 10 of these these webinars a year, that's paying less than $8 for, right. you know, an hour and a half seminar from from a veterinarian so it's it's a pretty good deal so we're, we're encouraging everybody to maybe come and check it out okay good okay so we had our previous guest had quite a story about uh, a rather serious injury on his horse that recovered and i know you have too so tell us about that with john henry oh cool yeah the, the magical john henry well uh, about uh, a, a year ago it was the end of september last year uh i uh John was out in pasture and he comes up to the the part of the pasture that's closest to the bedroom and he starts just shouting and yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling. And I finally went, what? And go out to see what's going on. And he picks up his leg and he puts it up on the fence and say, I got boo-boo, a little help here. And he had what was just a pretty devastating injury. He had, and I still have no idea how he did it. He had a laceration 
that was right down to the bone and into the joint capsule of his right front pastern. Uh, and so I uh, cleaned it up, threw a wrap on it, got him into the trailer, had him at UC Davis within two hours. They had him in surgery within two hours after that. Uh, God bless them. They did a fantastic job. Uh, he stayed at Davis for almost a month afterwards, and I, I told him, this is this is my very best good boy. Um, and at, at the very most, we need to save him so that I, I, re- I was, there was no way I was going to euthanize him if we could keep him at least pasture sound. Uh, but they did such a fantastic job that he's been doing better and better and better and better. And we started thinking, well, you know, maybe he can return back to doing what he does. And he's been going great. And so at the end of this, this month, we're actually have him entered in a 50 mile ride to see how he's doing. Yay. And if he continues to do well, yeah, yay. Um, then, uh, you know, John Henry already has five uh, Tevis buckles. There's only one other gated horse in Tevis history that has done five, and that horse was in the 70s. So this is a, you know, 45-year record that we've kind of got our eye on. And um, it's I'm certainly not going to endanger my horse or put John Henry at risk doing that. But if he is comfortable and he still wants to do it, then... Uh, yeah, I think breaking that record might be kind of a fun yes. thing to do. So we're going we to have to go. keep our fingers crossed that we have a normal here next year. That would be nice. Yeah, wouldn't it? I, it's been a, a crazy times this year. And I'm so glad they got the Camp Far West right on the calendar. And it looks yeah. like we're trying to get some more stuff going uh, finally. And let's just hope um, it continues so we can all get back to writing some more. Yeah, yeah. And the the rides that have gone on, they've done a really, really good job of changing things around so that riders can still stay uh, stay safe and we can still have a great ride and uh, and still um, just get back to doing what we do. Exactly. Doing what we do. Well, thank you once again, Dr. Garlinghouse, for coming on. Always chock-a-block full of really great information. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it and I enjoy it. And you all have a terrific day. Thanks. You too. As two appropriately named horses today, John Henry and Kevlar. <laughs> if you don't know who John Henry is, people, go to Google and look up John Henry. Look, read up on your folklore a little bit. Uh, but a great <laughs> name for that horse. Just perfect. Just He's out there getting it done and tough as nails and making it happen. I know. So yeah, finally, it, it, it's have, cool how these horses can have these very serious injuries and still recover and go back to doing, doing what they do. What they do. Yeah. Um, you yeah. had mentioned it's earlier tiring. in the show about putting the hoof boots on Apollo and letting him get used to a wearing the boot, B having the boot fly <laughs> off in case of bizarre circumstances. And you mentioned that you were using your renegades remind everybody where they can find renegades and why they need to do that. Okay. Yes. Go to renegadehoofboots.com. Uh, they are the only boot manufacturer in the United States where the boots are made here, which is great. They come in multiple different colors, a couple of different models. Uh, they've got the classic Renegade and the Viper Renegade. And so uh, just you can uh, kind of also if you need to, what I have done is I've kind of mixed and matched. Apollo doesn't have any heels, but he's got pretty round feet. So what worked for him was putting him into a Viper bottom with a regular Renegade Captivator. 
and that's working really, really well. And if you contact the company, like I said, at renegadehoofboots.com or go to their Facebook page, they will be more than happy to help you decide which model is going to be most suitable for your horse and help you with the sizing and fitting and adjustments and stuff like that. You can also go to the Renegade Hoofboot YouTube channel and watch videos on making the cable adjustments and how things are supposed to fit, uh, just everything from how to change out a strap if you need to and stuff like that. It's all very, very informative. And I have been using these boots for, gosh, years and years and years. There you go. The the voice yeah. of experience right there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, finally... It's been a while. We have some upcoming events to talk about. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, first, let's uh, go ahead since uh, Dr. Garlinghouse was mentioning the webinars as a benefit of membership. If anybody has not joined AARC and you're on the fence, they now have a fall special where you can join for the rest of 2020 and all of 2021 for $88.75. There you go. Go to and it's just aerc.org, right? Yes, easy. Aerc.org. Like uh, Dr. Garlinghouse said, with these seminars, even if you're not going to necessarily be doing any aerc rides, it might be worthwhile just to take advantage of all these really cool webinars. Exactly. They've had a lot of really good topics on uh, a variety of topics, and like she said, lots of the veterinarians are are doing these, and they're very educational. There we go. Now, really upcoming decided. events. What's coming up? What is coming up for the we remainder of 2020? Just, just, oh, well, for the remainder of 2020, uh, you know, there's a, there are more rides going on the calendar. We've got one coming up, Red Rock in Reno this coming weekend. At the end of the month, there's Camp Far West. Other regions have been having rides um, a lot more regularly. I, I think our, the state's, like California and Nevada, our governor's limited events to like a maximum of 50 people. So that really kind of put a damper on the rides because it's hard to run a ride where you, you can keep your numbers that low between the riders, the vets, the volunteers, the ride management. At, at some point, you know, you're not going to break even. And so it makes it a real challenge. And then, of course, like she had also mentioned, the fires and the smoke also caused rides to get canceled. So we're getting some more rides on the calendar all the time, which is great because we're, gosh, we're within another couple months of the season being over. And for a lot of people, it never got started. Right, so, exactly. uh, yeah, but um, it's, so 2021, we do have a new ride um, that's going to run um, concurrently along with the uh, AARC National Championship ride, which is going to be at Fort Howes in Montana. And the, yeah, it's the Young Riders Championship, and that's going to be on June 15th. 2021 and it's for the young riders that are in the age range of 14 to 21 and we uh, did check the numbers there's 191 members in that division and so hopefully we can draw a, a fair amount of them to go and participate in this championship ride it's going to be uh, 75 miles and they also can enter the AARC national championship which is a 50 or 100 or actually they're on different days. So they could even do all three if they've 
got enough horses right. <laughs> <laughs> to do the 50, the 75 and the 100. And, and of course, the young riders are probably the ones most likely to be able to ride all those distances within a day or two of each other. <laughs> Appropriate. Yeah, there we go. Appropriately. <laughs> Pretty cool. And that, that all that information can also be found at AERC.org, right? Dot org. Yep, exactly. There we go. Well, I think we've just about used up all of our time again this month. It doesn't seem to take long for us to do that. Um, to find more, to find what Karen Chatton is doing. Do you have your uh, Facebook page? Um, yes, it's NV Endurance Writer. There you we go. And it, did you get your website back up yet, or is it still broken? I no, I haven't yet. But uh, uh, I guess I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you just Google Karen Chatton, or if you go to Facebook and look up Karen Chatton, you'll you'll be found. Yeah. Yes, there I should be found. And I tend to just post a lot of stuff about uh, my horses and dogs and try to avoid politics. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, can't blame you there. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Well, we will be back again tomorrow with more fun and hijinks on horses in the morning. Uh, So tune in then. 